Girar la casa por la ventana. Hi, and okay. welcome to Shift of One, a podcast about speedy race cars. How's your Spanish, Danny? It's not great. The only words I know are curse words that Spanish students in my hometown told us at school. Uh, I heard casa. I think that's house. Uh, Rob, mm-hmm. can you help me with the rest of it at all? Tirar oh, goodness, no. la casa <laughs> por la ventana. I think, uh, according to this weird website Wait, I found. You're doing what to the car through the window? You, oh. you, this is to, no, no, no. This is to throw the house <laughs> through the window. Okay. He got window though. That was the hardest one. Uh, which I think is an idiom meaning, uh, to spare no expense. To throw the house through the window. I wonder what the window is to which they are referring that makes it such an expensive situation. If you're a shift, what is it? Shift F1 podcast at gmail.com. Let us know. <laughs> Please if you're... write in about uh, the etymology of Spanish uh, idioms. Uh, as mentioned, this is a podcast about speedy race cars. We'll get to them eventually. But first, uh, joining me is Danny O'Toyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. I feel like uh, I feel like we've been here before because we we were we were talking for a patron exclusive podcast yesterday for two hours. So yeah. it's uh, it's good to be back. And weirdly enough, we were also speaking about the Spanish Grand Prix for a good chunk of that. So that's true. Uh, yeah, this is well trotted ground for us today. Uh, and how are you, Rob? One day later. Uh pretty well, pretty well. Uh, really curious to see what this race is going to bring, given that. Uh, boy, if if there's some season trajectory altering uh, tricks up anyone's sleeves, they need to play them now. This will be a good <laughs> race for the Mercedes to decide to crash into each other again, actually. Mm, you're ready for that second act drama. Yeah, make it happen. Speaking of drama. Speaking of drama, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, F1 Drive to Survive and our patron-only podcast we did for it, which will be available at some stage in the future. The next one that's coming out is TT3D, which uh, the fantastic uh, documentary film, which is sadly not too widely available, but that's coming out next week if you're a patron. Um, we also have an F1 Game History episode up uh, all about F1 Full Position, the horrific Nintendo 64 game <laughs> which couldn't afford Jacques Villeneuve, so he's called Driver X. It's also got a bootleg Ralph Schumacher in there. It's a good time for everyone. Um, uh, and, and also, uh, more importantly, I hear we We've got beep, 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 beep. We've got a, we've got a something coming through at Blue Coast, Drew. Uh, please give us, give us an update on our shipment. Oh boy, uh, I wish I could. All I know is that it is sitting, I think, in a warehouse in Kentucky. I'm not too far from there. Tell me the address. <laughs> I'll go get it. I'll break in. Wait, I'm looking at a map right now. You're pretty far from Kentucky. Am I? Yeah. Oh my I, god. I, I don't really know America that well. <laughs> Uh, so I think the, the, do not try to import blue coast beer because, uh, the U S customs will get angry with you because you're, you will not be, unless you are a, uh, an alcohol importer. Um, that seems to be where the confusion lies, but it's in this, it's on this continent. So I'm going to try to get it. <laughs> so you're trying you, to like, the you're trying to like, uh, like negotiate with, with U.S. customs over like, there's How a much of an alcoholic like, you need to get stuff? <laughs> like, there's like five do you have to give them on one bottle? Thread. Oh really? Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you guys could you know just there's there's 24 cans there you know just if yeah. one fell off the back of that truck you can, uh, <laughs> wouldn't be so bad. Uh, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's what's going on with that. Um, should we talk about what's going around in the news? The world of racing. Sure. Everyone, did you guys watch the W Series race? I did watch the Saturday? W Series race. I watched it later on YouTube where someone was very kind to upload it for free, for f- all full, because it's not available in America. Um, it is actually. Start- I finally found uh, their Facebook page ah. updated. So like, I tried to watch it live and their Facebook page was not like it was broken or something. It was really strange. Okay. So I went to Twitter because they said it would be there as well. But it was blocked in America, so... Uh, so you went to Canada. So I went to Canada, <laughs> virtually. So I, uh, I tweeted from the F1, uh, or the Shift F1 uh, podcast account saying that you needed to use a VPN. And someone said, oh, good. Uh, I'm vacationing in a beautiful part of northern <laughs> Germany. <laughs> And now I can watch it. But uh, you should be able to just go to the uh, Facebook uh, page for W Series, which I will link in the show notes, uh, and watch qualifying and the race there. Uh, oh, I don't cool. want to give it away, like who won or anything. 
Um, but if you guys had any uh, any notes on what you thought of the first race, I'd love to hear them. Yeah, I, I think the thing that we talked about a bit, uh, I think it was on the last episode, was was how good the production was going to be around it. Yeah. Um, and I was both sort of pleasantly surprised and a little bit disappointed in parts of it. I was really um, impressed by the lineup they had. I guess I hadn't gotten the memo that um, not only was, uh, you know, a DC was going to be involved in it, Ted Kravitz was on the pit lane, which was amazing. I really liked yeah. that. Lee McKenzie, uh, who uh, is a fantastic presenter in the UK for years uh, was basically the anchor of it and uh, Claire Cottingham was helping DC I guess with the uh, the the commentary um, hopefully they'll gel a little bit better maybe um, she she was doing kind of the more radio style we kind of talked about this uh, actually, yeah, actually she, on the she was podcast play by yesterday play. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and DC was probably a bit more used to the TV style um, uh, but it was good the, the, the one issue I had I'm not sure if it was maybe the feed I had but there was a, a live mic from the pit lane that was open for like some of the VTs they were rolling, which was a little bit distracting. I'm not sure if that was everywhere or not. Did you experience that? Like before the race when they were showing a bunch of these video packages, you could just hear like cars driving past. Yeah, there was some audio stuff uh, in the in the pre-race show. Um, yeah. You know, live events are hard, especially if it's totally. your first one. I think they benefited a lot from like, because so they're, they're piggybacking onto DTM races. And so I think they're using the DTM cameras and everything. So it looks... Uh, it, from that angle, it looks pretty good. Uh, the one real thing that I didn't like was the fact that uh, there are like six cars that all look identical. Yes, because there's only like three paint jobs for it twenty was, yeah. car or eighteen cars. It was difficult. They had big, you know, the numbers are on the front of the cars, which I guess was supposed to, to help somewhat. Um, and, and while they did have pretty good camera coverage, they relied on helicopters for quite a bit of the uh, the action as well, which made looking at those numbers just a little bit more difficult. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I wondered if it was similar to Formula E, where like at a certain stage, I'll get, I'll have more of a, you know, moment to moment knowledge of, of who is in what color car. Um, you won't though. As, do they do they change them every race? They rotate the cars oh. every race, which I didn't know until I think um, maybe it was in the pre-race uh, stuff. But um, they explained that like for every, before every race, all the cars rotate. You get a random car. I think you have one engineer that sticks with you, <clears throat> but they're like shared. Um, they're shared crews as well. So it's like one one main engineer that's yours, but then right. you share everything else. That's interesting. Well, there's no pit stops or anything like that either. No. Um, the the car setups do change though before the race. In fact, there was a bit of inclement weather on this one that that made a bunch of them sort of um, change up the cars uh, before the race started. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I I liked it. It was uh you know short races, kind of what was it, forty minutes plus one lap or something, or 35? I think thirty plus one plus of one um there was some uh, racing incidents, shall we say, and there was a, yeah. a decent battle up front. Um, but yeah, you know, it didn't it didn't blow my socks off necessarily, but I I definitely enjoyed what I'd seen, and I think I'm I think I'm like I'm feeling optimistic about it. I liked a lot of the message behind it, like how they sort of talked about it. Um, I thought the personality of the drivers was were awesome. Some of them really stuck out to me. There's one uh, driver who had like never driven an open open wheel uh, race car before. She was like from Rally or something or a Porsche or something like that. Um. Who was a uh, a bit um a bit funny? I, I yeah I liked it. There was a, a pretty broad range it seemed of skill sets as well. Um, in fairness, and I I don't want to say anything else because it'll just get into what happened in the race. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh it was uh yeah I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see that like the racing looked it looked like racing. Like I was uh you know going into a new series where. I don't know. I've never watched a Formula 3 race, so I didn't really know right. how, the, how the racing looked for that. And these are Formula 3 cars. Um, or like Formula 3 spec cars. I'm not really sure uh, what the distinction there is. But like, I, I was pleased that you were able to see people's like race craft and, and their kind of driving style and things like that. So people did stand out. And that's that's really what I was, was hoping for. And that's what I saw. Yeah. yeah. The thing that concerned me a little bit i guess nothing here surprised me like it's all um yeah it's a rough product right now i like i would have to say this first race was not a good product uh in terms of broadcast quality uh you know there were some there were also some clear some clear jitters but also like this is an inaugural event 
the, like as you said, like live television is hard. Uh, getting something like this started is always going to be pretty, pretty rough looking. Uh, so I, I am hopeful that it improves both in terms of the broadcast product and the racing as the season goes on. The racing was getting like better as the race went on. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was very, it was, it was, it was pretty rough there at the start. Uh, there was some conditions were not ideal. It looked, uh, it looked pretty cold out there on, on the track. And it had um, just rained, I think. Right. So you, so you, you had a very, uh, like low grip track and I think that threw a lot of people off right at the start. Uh, but once they were underway, it did, it did look like pretty good racing. Uh, I, I do think the, the broadcast product needs to come a long way. Um, and I think there's an issue of, I don't know. So it's, it's a weird thing. There is, there was maybe a little too much. There was maybe a few too many attempts in the broadcast itself to try to like provide validation and importance to event that like doesn't really need that right now. Like the opening of the race was everything was you know, welcome to this historic event. Get ready for this mm. historic. And it's like, oh yeah, this is this is your beta event. This is your public beta. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I it, it just it just kind of felt like at a certain point I was ready for us to stop weighting everything with like massive significance and just watch this race happen. Uh, because it, there there is a point where you're almost commenting too much on the exceptional, and you are. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I, I'm with you. I think there was an element where it was actually sort of they were risking it buckling under its own expectation. Like it, it didn't need to be that sort of pumped up beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It was almost doing a disservice to you know because at the end of the day, these yeah. are Formula, you know, three GP three um, spec cars. So you know, you kind of know what you're getting in for, regardless of what you know the the what happens in the race of the skill. You kind of you can you can guess what what's about to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. It reminded me a lot of the start of Formula E. That's sort of like the the rough edges of the broadcast. Right. The, like the commentators who like I remember like uh, you know the, the opening um, you know commentary for for some of the Formula E stuff was a little bit all over the place as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. You know, it'll I'll, I'll definitely keep watching it. Put it that way. Like I actually, it, in a weird way, I liked the bite sized nature of the race as well. It mm-hmm. wasn't. Just, you know, if it was another full 90-minute thing, I probably would be less interested in, in adding it to the list of uh, sports that I indulge in every week. Um, but uh, obviously it won't be a weekly thing. It's much more limited series. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I already have like, you know, three or four racers now that I'm interested in and will be like looking at at the next race. And hopefully, you know, as I watch more and as we all watch more, we'll build that library of uh, personalities that we like. Yeah. I'll, uh, just, say, I'll would, just say one last thing here. Mm. Which is that I like I would try to watch IndyCar during some pretty rough years, and mm. like at IndyCar's roughest, I was seeing significantly worse racing than anything I've saw, I saw here during this W Series event. I think that is the important. That, that's the other important thing to emphasize. Like open wheel, like open real racing series when they are sort of getting their legs under them and when they've got like influxes of new talent or generational shifts or are just uh, sort of in, in an awkward transitional stage with their business model. Um, you know, in the years after IRL shut down, IndyCar sort of reunified and there were a lot of uh, really amateurs drivers. That probably remains my low ebb for open real racing quality, uh, and it was still it was still fun. So I mean, in terms of like uh, race quality, this was this this was so much better than what I've seen in IndyCar uh, at times. I cannot I cannot overstate. I don't know if this is a pipeline to Formula One, uh, but by God, uh, so, some of these drivers could certainly make it in IndyCar. <laughs> there was there was a moment in the first lap which we we won't get into stuff again. But there was a moment in the first lap where I did sort of like in like inhale and just go oh no like yeah it it doesn't need this like uh, and thankfully ev- that everything was fine afterwards and and it was a good race but there was a, for a for a second there it looked like the absolute worst thing that could have happened uh, was going to happen. Um, well, we found was, the Max Verstappen of the W Series. I, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Almost right away. So uh, maybe the Passer Maldonado. <laughs> yeah. 
Who knows? <laughs> uh, speaking of which, the six yeah. hours of spa was this weekend. <laughs> uh, I can also link the highlights of that uh, in the show notes as well. Um, I just wanted to point out that uh, they had to call a safety car for snow, which I've never oh, seen wow. before. Uh, like, how long was the safety car? What? There for? were multiple safety cars for snow. One of oh them was, was also hailing. Like straight up snowing. Oh yeah. It's a I spa, guess it is. so the weather changes Belgium. like every six seconds. I've never seen a... snow at Spa. My God. Yeah. I they wish showed, I... Uh... God damn, I'm going to watch that. I mean, yeah, it is the cool. Ardennes, right? We've all seen yeah. Band of Brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess, uh, one, yeah. One thing I'll mention, if you do watch the uh, the W Series um, uh, qualifying and race, uh, which I will link in the show notes, I would recommend sticking around after the... Um, uh, events happen for the interviews because you get just uh, such a much better idea of who these people are and i think that's really what at least for mm. me is what uh drives my interest like if i get to know people um and then you know it, it makes watching it so much better uh, and they do have some good interviews um after after the race at least i'm not sure how many they do for qualifying did you bury the lead on that uh that pastor maldonado spa situation well uh I don't know if we want to spoil it, but <laughs> I guess we can. Uh, Pastor Maldonado won LMP2 uh, in the six hours of Spa. Yeah, alongside he, uh, didn't he Anthony win? Davidson is on his team. Is that really? Yeah. I, I think he also, didn't he also win um, Lamar as well? He won something else. He won the Indy 500. He's won Monaco. <laughs> He's... <laughs> Um, he did win Spain. The, this was Spain. the one, the one F one Grand Prix. Maldonado won. He beat Alonso <laughs> to first position <laughs> in Spain. And Raikkonen, I think, was the other guy on the podium. Yeah, you're right. They were lifted him up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you remember that like Takuma Sato was also just one of the most laughably terrible drivers I've ever seen. This has gone on to have a really successful career uh across a lot of different formats uh memorably won the indy car in the indy 500 uh yeah. just just a couple years back now mind you with with sato i can still see the old sato in there when i watch him drive like i'm like <laughs> oh yep still still doing those moves huh uh but like you know to be fair f1's really tough and maldonado when he was on and i think this is why he kept getting so many chances when he was on he looked so sharp but man, the, like lapses in judgment were just astonishing. Yeah. But it looks like he, you know, has removed those from his game to an extent. Yeah, I think and you'd for have all to. Masato's problems, at least he didn't get run over by a safety car like Taki Hidoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of F1 and the problems therein, uh, Baku to reimburse Williams for drain cover accident <laughs> damage. <laughs> And, uh, and spilling oil all over the car, hopefully. <laughs> the uh, promoter did not mention that, but... Okay. Um, Man, I was really hoping we'd see Claire Williams and the Baku organizers in uh, in Small Claims Court. <laughs> just, just, like, just, just a Judge Judy type character in there, just being like, so you've got how many dra- drain covers around Baku, and you say you check them all. But then why did it come up and destroy that man's car? <laughs> yeah it's can i can i jump to the emails for a hot second yeah just because sure. this one fits in really well uh, nicole radcliffe emailed in uh she says hi all long time first time currently on my way out of baku back to the states um always enjoyed the podcast with a special shout out to rob's tire analyses uh had a great time at the race uh with things that went well on the trip bought tickets in a good place and some things that i wish i'd known uh roaming data on mobile phones is poor should have gotten a local sim card to be able to check live times during the race mm. um there were unexpected surprises like uh they just let you walk on the track at night uh, which is super fun. Uh, that's cool. That sounds cool. Uh, enclosed are uh, two interesting photos. Uh, one from the pit lane walk uh, of the Toro Rosso front wing. Uh, it looks like only the bottom two elements of the wing are permanent and the top three can be swapped from base to base. Likely a couple of advantages to the setup. One, you can bring updates to the top elements more quickly and cheaply. And two, if your driver team is a rookie uh, and a guy nicknamed the Torpedo, you can make a front wing where some parts can be reused after an incident. <laughs> Very um, smart. And this, and this is why I wanted to bring it up. Also attached is a local paper's description of the Russell incident in FP1, assuming it's state-run media. 
And the clipping reads, Unfortunately, the first day of racing was not without accidents. Williams pilot George Russell had to interrupt the first free practice session at the Formula One Azerbaijan Grand Prix. The race car driven by Russell made an accident and he had to stop. The car was quickly withdrawn from the road. Yeah, it made the accident. (laughs) No, man, he just had an accident and they had to stop everything because of the one car. Oh, you know, these things... Sometimes an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, I had to squeeze that in. Thank you so much, Nicole. That's awesome to hear you can walk around on the track uh, at nighttime. Hopefully, yeah. that also means that the roads are closed. You're not just walking around on a track that other cars are driving on. I'm sure you're not. Uh, just people like, walking Azard. face first into that chicane at eight. Just like, just <laughs> bam, imagine? oh, damn, I did it again. There has to be at least one person who, like, who, like runs the track going, yeah, just like the whole length of it and like and gets like halfway and is totally fucked but like just has to finish it because they started <laughs> you That's know they do track runs at every single event i understand oh, right. uh which just seems exhausting like my yeah. god what heroes uh, what'd be the worst one i guess spa, spa. <laughs> I mean, one it's snowing uh but but two yeah just, just i guess the thing you've got going for you at spa is that it at least opens on the long uphill climb and then you're going downhill like most of the rest of the lap. Because uh, I can't imagine, like, you've just run, it's like, what, six kilometers around? Something yeah. like that. So like, you have to start with Eau Rouge. Like, fucking hell. Probably not so hard on foot. Like, uh, like Danny, we like humans have incredible turning radii compared to <laughs> co- compared to race cars. So oh, I don't yeah, think there's like out. a first corner pile up of runners. <laughs> like, damn, we managed to get Danny Ricardo like with a fractured tibia because of a rouge. Uh, I think Circuit of the Americas would be, would be rough. Yeah, that's uh, what is it? Three or three or four stories higher? Maybe is it nine stories? It's something no, ridiculous. It's, something it's bad. Yeah. yeah. There's a pileup because they're all just like collapsed at the top of the, the top of the, the yeah the turn. Uh, we got some more fallout from uh, from Baku. Um, this is I think all the uh, Hamilton versus Botas stuff was reaching a fever pitch. Um, and uh, there's a quote here from RaceFans.net where Hamilton is uh, asked about his relationship with Botas. He says, "I can't tell you what's going to happen further on in the year. I can't judge if one's character will change or not." Oh. But drivers in the past didn't stick to the rules of engagement that we have a t- as a team, and Valtteri and I do. Uh, Toto Wolff said he's pleased with the drivers' uh, partnership. Quote, I think we are lucky in that they have a good relationship. There's not a lot of games in the background, and I'm very happy about that. We wouldn't allow a relationship between drivers to deteriorate to the point that it has a negative effect on the team. If that would ever be the case again after Nico and Lewis, uh, we would issue yellow and red cards. But we are far away from that. It did just seem like Hamilton just, you know, enjoying another opportunity to shit talk Nico Rosberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. He's out, yeah. of the, he's out of the sport. Part of it, but I do like it does sort of provide more uh, fuel for for the fire I'm working on here where like Hamilton is already doing that like he's flipping that switch where where he's going from like yeah I'm happy for Valtteri to like that thing he has to do which is I need to hate my teammates so I can yeah. beat them like that is that that is one of the things that animates him uh and so you get weird him you get him saying weird things like I can't judge if one's character will change or not I don't know. Just like one minute I've right. got a good teammate I get along with, but then they turn into these assholes every I know. season, what happens? and I just have to crush they, them. They keep trying to beat me. <laughs> uh, you got another uh, fun quote here from Total Wolf, Rob. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Total Wolf, I'm sitting here in Azerbaijan and looking like appearing to be. What can I say? We're not talking ourselves down. It is that we see a strong Ferrari on Friday and Saturday, and oh I still believe that Charles is probably the fastest man on track, but like in Bahrain, it didn't come together. You can say now, yeah, stop saying these things. It's the fourth one, two in a row. But it is still very much our mindset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Total, Total Wolf just promises they are not just like, uh, <laughs> they are not playing mind games with everybody, complaining about their poor pace, and always predicting that Ferrari has the best car. Um 
I think it's hilarious that this is now like people enough people are calling uh, Mercedes on it that they're starting to feel like a little awkward and weird about the entire thing. You get quotes <laughs> like this from from Wolf. I also think that again, my suspicion is he's not entirely full of it. This is and I, and I think you mentioned this, uh, Drew, last time we talked. Where it's that sort of New England Patriots mindset where you have to constantly like create this narrative that you're the underdog so that everyone is fueled. Mm-hmm. And that's that's smart leadership. That's smart for keeping a successful organization on its toes. Uh, but, yeah, if you're not part of that organization, if you're not on that team, it gets so old hearing the most successful people like in the field. Constantly talking about like, damn, like we're just so overmatched. <laughs> yeah, it's really good flex. Uh, at being the company man. Toto Wolf is like he did a like an hour long interview with um, uh, Tom Clarkson for Formula One's official podcast, Beyond the Grid, and basically said nothing. Like he, <laughs> I guess it was interesting to hear more about his background, but like in terms of like. Uh, anything of substance he just sort of talked without saying anything it was, it was mm. really it was fascinating my oh my i guess well you know the, the whether the question of uh mercedes sandbagging or not in preseason testing you know what were they three thousandths of a second to <laughs> yeah oh yeah hamilton and vettel we'll we'll, we'll see because we're about to go back to the track yeah Geez, I don't know what happened. I think Ferrari just started car development so much earlier than we did damn <laughs> i don't know how we'll ever catch up with them uh, speaking of car setups, um, I did want to mention uh, this thing I ran across at onracefans.net about uh, Verstappen and sim racing. We get this question sometimes, like, do you think uh, that, you know, driving in sims actually helps you, uh, you know, out in, out in the real world? And there are a handful of people that have made the jump. Um, I think uh, uh, there was a guy named Jan Mardenborough or something. Uh, who participated in like the Grand uh, Turismo Driver Academy and actually got a drive and I think is still driving. I think um, Martin Barrow was the original uh, mission winnow name they were going to go for, but it was just a little too close. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that will not apparently be in F1 2019. <laughs> They oh, just, why? Because it's because they don't like advertising about innovation and changing <laughs> fucking whatever. Uh, yeah, apparently not. Um, yeah, Verstappen says uh, it helps with car setup. I, you know, I, I'm always interested in like what the what the drivers do aside from drive the car. And I think a lot of it is in which we don't see a lot of it is like talking to your engineer and saying like we need more, you know, brake balance adjustments and camber and whatever um so verstappen says uh quote you're basically just doing the same thing you're always trying to extract the best out of your car you're trying to get it uh you're trying to get the best lap in you're trying to work on the setup how to go faster you look at onboards you look at data to uh, extract more out of it so basically you're just doing the same thing without the g-forces hmm. i can see that being really i suppose it also then without that sort of physical feedback you're probably also focused you're probably training yourself to trust the data more than instinct a lot more. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's constantly something that I've always been struck by is um, you see it sometimes when the cars are underway at, at race pace, but I've, I've particularly noticed that when I'm playing like racing Sims, when a car looks fast or feels fast, it is often slow. It's, it, it is a weird dynamic that I, that I notice again and again, but like, when a car feels like you're it, like it is constantly on that sort of ragged edge performance and you know it's really uh you know it, you, you're really pushing the envelope every turn it feels fantastic to drive i'm continually struck by how demonstrably p- worse the lap times are than when the car feels a little bit a little bit pokey a little bit dull um and i i could see sort of the being in that somewhat reduced sensation environment where you don't have the same level of feedback and then you're just getting back and you're looking at data um i can see that being a really effective way to sort of sort of get outside the ego of feeling like you have a great instinct for how a car feels and how it should be set up and just trusting that like no there's numbers that i can use to check this against yeah and i think (laughs) i think what you say about the uh, being on the ragged edge is is apparent when you look at onboards f- 
like compared comparing uh like mercedes drivers to like williams drivers mm. like yep. there a williams guy is like all over the place with the wheel and then you know you know, like a botas it's just like he could you know look like he could uh you know he's he's racing in a lazy boy or something <laughs> uh, yeah that's interesting yeah though the williams is driving like a ferrari in miami vice and yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile like and botas is going to the store <laughs> yep uh, speaking of going places, shall we take it to Spain? Sure. España. Should yeah, we take yeah. it to Spain or should we go specifically to Secret de Catalonia, Catalonia? Mm, yes, let's do that. <laughs> uh, welcome back to this uh, wonderful circuit. It'll be celebrating 30 years in the next couple of years. It started in 1991. Uh, I love the origin of this track because there was another track in Barcelona um, that the I know F1 I don't think ever maybe F1 was there at some stage but they built this one off the back of all the funding they had for the 92 Olympics um, which it kind of sounds a little bit like the Sochi situation except you know what what event can you hold at an F1 track really it's kind of like you know getting 20 quid off your parents to buy like a, a magazine <laughs> and then you, you spend the rest of the money on whatever you want um, they uh, they did the the cycling road team time trial event st- uh, started and f- or ended on the start finish straight and that was it. <laughs> the rest of, really? the, yeah, the rest of it was just you know ah, we might, we built this part we might as well just build we the rest. We already got of, all these machines out here. <clears throat> And it's a pretty cool track. It's a 4.6 kilometers. It's got a capacity of uh, over 140,000. And they are packed to the rafters uh, for this um, uh, race throughout the weekend. Um, the wind can change a lot here. I know we had have had wind uh, cause havoc pretty much for every race this year at some stage. Um, uh, this is where... Do you remember Alonso had that crash in testing in 2015 and he missed out on Melbourne? There was I don't think it was ever caught on camera, but he, he went off on turn three, the, the big, you know, right-hander. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Curva Grande or whatever. Um, and uh, uh, they, they had blamed it at the time on, on a freak gust of wind. Um, it, whether or not that was, you know, them, you know, just making it up to 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 save face or, or not, uh, is one thing. But um, that's one instance of the wind um, playing havoc with people at uh, at this track, which does tend to dip up and sort of pop down a lot as well. So there's a lot of exposed uh, uh, concrete. It's also uh, pretty high on tire wear. The the surface is pretty rough, um, so that that's a, a big issue for folks. Uh, high and low speed corners, um, but the drivers are really familiar with this track. That they, they seem to enjoy it a lot, and obviously preseason testing happens here, so. You know, anyone coming into this will have had quite a lot. Well, unless you're a Williams driver, I guess, will have quite a lot of uh, uh, laps under their belt going into this one, um, which is, uh, you know, n- not the case with a lot of the tracks, um, especially for, you know, some of the rookies this year who, you know, for instance, knew Baku but wouldn't have driven it in an F1 car. Um, the main overtaking spot in this track is absolutely the first turn, um, turn one at the end of a start finish straight, which is one of two DRS zones. There's another one in the sort of in the infield, as it were, between turn turns nine and ten but it's a much shorter straight um with a with a high braking zone into the arena section for uh for sector three but uh yeah it's that that turn one is where a lot of um the overtakes tend to happen it's also downhill so there's just a lot of like speed and drs bonus um taken into that one for a pretty uh, uh for, you know it's it's not the tightest first turn in the circuit put it that way and then turn two is basically a setup turn for turn three which is um, where some interesting back and forth happens um, around there, kind of like the start of the Bahrain Grand Prix as well. Um, like I said, turn three, uh, super high speed. They're sort of aiming to hit it flat. Uh, the really high lateral Gs on the drivers as well, so it's it's quite a tough track to drive there. It's also pretty tough in the arena section, which um, they take pretty slowly. It's kind of a boring part of the track. Um, not really much happens in terms of overtakes there. It's got really high curbs on it, and the drivers hate it because they, they pop over quite a bit. And they're also swimming around a lot because they're... Um, they're not going particularly fast there, but it's a good place to go if you want to see the cars driving because um, you basically have like something like six or seven different turns there you can get a viewpoint on. Um, so that's quite nice. Um, yeah, aside from that, 
the you know famous moments that have happened here over the years i guess uh the the famous shot of senna and nigel mansell going down the straight together um uh comes from from this race uh the mercedes had that incident we talked about mm-hmm. two years ago now um with uh lewis hamilton getting forced onto the grass shall yeah, we say by uh, nico rosberg and, and and taking out rosberg um it's also a, a a place where a bunch of drivers have had their first wins uh first and only for pastor maldonado um uh, max verstappen had his first win here as well and uh schumacher had his first with ferrari um, here too. Uh, last year incident, you might remember Roman Grosjean doing the spin rooney on turn three. Um, unfortunately, sort of decided to cook his tires, kick up a massive dust cloud, and take out uh, Nico Hulkenberg. And I think Brandon Hartley was, it was the Gasly. other one. It was Gasly, was yeah. it? Okay. Um, yeah, in the uh, in the the Toro Rosso, as it were. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird track because it's it. A lot of the drivers tend to know it pretty well. Most of the overtakes do happen in that sector or in that first turn. Um, but hopefully, it won't be as bad as 1999's race, which uh, famously had one recorded overtake. Oh my gosh! Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's Classic wild. era. See people. See people complain these days, and I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm always like, man, that's that race seemed great. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, Dan, you forgot one very important uh, Catalonia moment. Oh, oh, is it uh, Fernando Alonso in the deck chair? No, Rossi versus Len- Lorenzo. Oh, tell us about it. Uh, so, oh, yes. do yourselves a favor. Go over to uh, Google Vimeo uh, Rossi Lorenzo Catalonia. Uh, I'll put it and in the you will get too. So, someone decided first of all to set oh, yes. a, a an edited version of this epic duel, and it is well edited. There's other f- versions of this, but this is probably one of the best presentations of it out there. Uh, they decided to set it to uh, Moby's God moving over the face of the waters, which is famously <laughs> the piece of music that closes out Michael Mann's Heat. Yes, uh, so. If you really want that like a Michael Mann motorcycle duel vibe, uh, you will you you know you'll you'll get it from this video. But also, it was just this incredible like multi lap uh, fight between Valentino Rossi, who's maybe the the, the greatest uh, motorcyclist uh, in the Schumacher in history. of MotoGP yeah. uh, against Jorge Lorenzo, and it is the just doctor. this in, incredible duel uh, that like. And also, if you're not used to watching motorcycle uh, racing, nothing like you don't fully realize how terrifyingly close these guys come to each other, right? Like what drafting means on these bikes at those speeds. Um, it's it's just incredible, uh, just an all time uh, highlight for for anyone who's into racing. It's a, it's a, a a track that MotoGP has used and GP uh, uh, Moto Two rather sorry um, have used for quite a, a while. Um, I'm not sure if we ever talked about this, but this also was where the there was a tragic death there three years ago in Moto Two. Uh, Louis Salmon, uh, or sorry Salam died in. I think it might have been practice or something, and then they changed it because they have a separate um, configuration for Moto, yeah. but they actually changed it to the F1 uh, as a result. And I think they maybe modified it again since to make it even more um, uh, safe for uh, for the drivers. It's it's crazy, you know. We just think of uh, you know between Simoncelli and like this for all the safety that we've had in in F1 relative safety um over the past you know 25 years with only 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 one one too many but only one uh, fatality it's it's still sad to see uh sort of our cousins on their two wheelers um uh, suffering up until uh fairly recently uh, but yeah super track it's a it's a I don't know it's a I it's one of the ones I'd like to attend I feel like there's it'd be good crack to be there I feel like there's good fans there it's kind of like a a, a hotter Silverstone <laughs> are you good at driving the track that's the other thing so if you played any racing game from the last like 20 years <laughs> you've probably raced Catalonia maybe more than any other circuit yeah. uh in, in the world like it is in every freaking game um it's impossible without a wheel that one I, 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 the, the, the arena section at the end, I suck at, but turn yep. three is impossible in that with a, with a controller. I find it so difficult. Yeah. This, this track is demanding in ways that just completely, like, just break my brain. Uh, because it plays, like, this, this track encourages you to make a lot of bad calls. Uh, you think, <laughs> you know, 
you, you think you've got uh you know more more run up into uh turn one than you actually do um so there's you know <laughs> there's that uh there's always a tendency to open the throttle up too early in turn three and try to make up some lost ground uh and you really can't you've got to just you've got to trust uh trust your speed trust trust your angle uh because if you try to make up speed through three you will just fly yourself off and then i i just think that that sharp turn uh turn 10 um that is, the left hander yeah the, yeah oh it is just evil it's that, that, I think that runoff area got added. I think it wasn't there wasn't so much runoff on ten, but also nine because nine a, is a blind right hander because they're going uphill, so you can't see the apex of that if you're in like first person view. But I always drive with a you know. Um, oh, you cheat a little bit. Yeah, a little camera on top. I yeah. need it for that turn because I always you end up on the rumble strips on the outside of that one as well. So yeah, ten for me is the one where I basically needed. Uh, I, I needed to start. Like that's where I needed like track IR so I could like look through the turn because eleven the exit to the turn is basically over your shoulder as you <laughs> enter it, uh, and so it is just there's two things it's a hard angle but also if anything happens in that turn you will just pile into someone uh, it's oh what a track yeah. Uh, so as you mentioned this is also where the teams had their preseason testing and I pulled up uh, the times from. Um, Ooh. Uh, all the teams and it's really interesting to see how everybody did as you mentioned ferrari was on top but only by three thousandths of a second above Yikes. mercedes but then in third place was renault oh uh with a 16.8 to mercedes is 16.2 uh practically tied as toro rosso in fourth place and then mclaren then haas and then red bull in seventh place uh, then Alfa Romeo, Racing Point, and Williams, who uh, who was way off. Yeah, Williams barely did any, right? They they had a lot of trouble getting just laps in. Yeah. Well, the car didn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the Williams season. They showed up to <laughs> testing without a car. Wait a second. I thought you were bringing the car. <laughs> I thought you were bringing the car. That, that that's me as a as a highly paid F one consultant, by the way. Like that's that like that's me as Patrick Head, basically. Like, well, see, the important thing is to to show up with to the race with the car. Uh, this is also where we upgrade, uh, or we start to see upgrades from uh, a lot of the teams. I think if you've got a lot of money, you can introduce your your upgrades kind of throughout the first three races, which certain teams have been doing. But uh, Spain, I think, just by its proximity to uh, a lot of teams home bases is where we start to see uh, larger upgrades or more of them ferrari is bringing a new engine uh team principal mattia bonotto says we will have a new power unit <clears throat> that we are introducing ahead of schedule as the second specification was due to be brought in uh in canada also they they go out of their way to mention this and i don't know if this is important as they make it out to be but shell contributed special new fluids Ooh. For the engine, they de- Shell developed brand new engine fluid uh, for their partners Ferrari, and that's going to help carry Ferrari to the front. Now, I am actually curious about this. Like, I like I really do wonder is I'm like I'm sure engine fluid of some sort is important, but is that a is that a substance where you can get like a competitive edge, or is that Ferrari just doing the whole thing where it's like and huge and big thanks to our partner Shell for uh, I don't know this this you know this gallon jug of lubricant it's fantastic. What was it? Was it Ted Kravitz or somebody was saying? Uh, maybe yeah, was saying that the castor oil was an element in somebody's fuel during the race it was like two races ago i'm not sure it was during practice or quality or something they mentioned this oh yeah what was that it's like a dollop of castor oil was uh was, and like uh, that's that's where castor oil comes from like, i that's guess where so that yeah yeah brand when he said that from? then i was like oh of course that must be what castor oil is then yeah, yeah. um I think uh, there's a smattering of other upgrades around uh, the field. We've got Williams bringing upgrades, um, quote, exciting items. Uh, There's also a two-day test after the (laughs) Spanish Grand Prix. So I think this will be yet another sort of extended 
test for them. Uh, Haas, they just want a week in Spain. It's just an excuse. <laughs> uh, Haas uh, team principal says uh, they are bringing, quote, significant updates. Uh, a lot of the parts on the car will change the front wing, the floor, and a lot of the smaller parts, like mirrors. Because Roman Grosjean is going to crash them all on turn three. <laughs> yeah, maybe wait to put all the new stuff on your car until after the race. Uh, and Renault as well, who have a, quote, number of reasonable upgrades that are positive. Oh, good. Uh, I want to see Danny do well this week. I think that's my dream for this week, is we see we see a, 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 a competitive Renault. Danny, I'm pretty sure we can run the tape and we'll reveal that that's your dream every week. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure this is this is the time in a race preview episode of Shift F1 where you're like, you know, I think Danny's got a good shot this week. Look, man, he's my people. I gotta I gotta stand up for Danny's around the world. Danny's who grew up on weird islands where we speak English but our accents are strange. Well, he's gonna have a few new aero parts uh, to add to his front wing and rear of the car, uh, as well as some mechanical twe- tweaks to improve car balance. So, yeah. Uh, tire That's wise, he's had he's had his he's had a little tinny of Fosters on the right side this whole time, and it's been thrown off his balance. That's the issue. Uh, tires, we've got the C1, C2, and C3 for our hard, medium, and soft, uh, and really all over the place on who's taken what. Um, have Mercedes has taken two and one hard tire for Hamilton and Botas, respectively, then three and four mediums. Uh, and then they're both taking eight softs. Uh, Ferrari, fewer um, medium tires and more soft ones. Uh, Red Bull is kind of the standout here. They're taking two hards, four mediums, uh, and seven softs each. Uh, and yeah, oh, f- wow. And Russell, one hard, five mediums, seven softs. Wow. Uh, weather wise, uh, for race time, it looks to be a balmy 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 Celsius, uh, with a, uh, let's see, precipitation chance, chance, very low wind though, as you mentioned, 11 miles an hour or 18 kilometers an hour. This is all for qualifying day, uh, and a around 70% humidity. Sunday looks uh, basically the same. Yeah, temperature and uh, precipitation-wise. And as we've mentioned, wind will make a whole lot more of a difference uh, with these new cars because uh, they've got those giant wings on them now in the front and behind. What about the uh, snow? Any snow? No snow is forecast for, uh, for hot, hot Spain. Uh, in the championship standings, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas separated by one point. Bottas on top, Hamilton behind by one. Vettel in third place with 52. and But one point behind him, Max Verstappen with 51 mm. points. Leclerc in fifth place with uh, 47 points. And then we got a three-way tie for six with Perez, Raikkonen, and Gasly. Behind them is Norris in ninth place with 12 points. Uh, Magnuson in 10th with 8th. Then another three-way tie for 11th with Sainz, Hulkenberg, and Ricardo. Uh, Stroll's in 14th with 4. Albon uh, in 15th with 3. Kafiat's got 1 point in 16th place. Then we've got Giovinazzi, George Russell, Kubica, and Roman Grosjean with 0 points. Uh, Team-wise, Mercedes is 74 points ahead of Ferrari with 173. Ferrari's got 99 uh, and then we go to third place. Red Bull with 64 points. McLaren is in fourth with 18, uh, but these are so much closer. R- Racing Point is only one point behind with 17 points. And then in um, f- uh, f- uh, what place is this? Sixth place, uh, Alfa Romeo with 13. Then Renault's got 12 points. Haas, Gene Haas, and team have eight points. Toro Rosso's got four, and Williams with zero uh, fantasy standings. We got Maka F1 in first place. Um, by the way, you can join our uh, fantasy league with the invite code in the show notes. Uh, Alpha plus emojis is in second place, followed by Shunted Tarantulas, Speed Beast uh, in fifth place. Steering wheel, hey, hey, give it to me, move, come on. Sixth place is Scuderia Calio, followed by Leclerc, Bear Flare. Oh, they're tied, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Eighth is Hamilton's Break the System, followed by Dragon Ball GT and Mercedes All the Way. Um, I I think I'm in, let's see, 455th place. Hmm. But I'm sticking with my lineup. I got Leclerc, Perez, Verstappen, Botas, and Turbo Raikkonen uh, in Racing Point. Not bad. I swapped out uh, Lance Stroll for uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. I feel like like some Spanish blood will, uh, will help me out this week. Uh, should we take it to some emails? Sure. Shift off one podcast at gmail.com, your one-stop shop for spamming our email inbox. Uh, we already got to Nicole's wonderful letter from Baku. So how about uh, we talk, uh, first of all, with uh, our good friend Ben from Melbourne, um, who has a conspiracy theory about Williams's Baku simulator, which I, for one, want to get behind. Uh, ben says, I was listening to the last podcast and the part where you mentioned Kubica saying their simulator track was not represent not representative jumped out to me. I have a low-end racing sim set up at home and I usually do a few laps of the F1 tracks in the lead up to races to get a feel for the layout. I use a set of Courser for this, a $60 sim available on Steam, and download the F1 tracks slash cars from various modding websites. The reason it jumped out is that one track is not available in an accurate form on AC modding sites is Baku. There is a Baku track available, but the author notes the elevation changes and other elements near the western section near the castle are inaccurate. I can confirm, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can confirm from racing it that the elevation changes are non-existent and the curves on that fateful corner feel a bit off and more accurate or more acute, uh, interestingly. I guess because there's less ground to cover when not on a slope and the track is modeled uh, based on the top-down view. I always imagine the simulators the team used as being these fully wired monocoque. Uh, they freight around, running totally custom secret software and doing all kinds of aerodynamics, thermodynamic simulations of the cars on laser scan models of tracks. Is it possible that I was wrong and Kubica and Russell have to argue over who's logged onto the shared Steam library <laughs> to practice lap times on a modded tracks made by D. Peters 95? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> what do we think, know. folks? <laughs> Are things that bad at Williams that they're uh, they're playing a, a set of Corsa? If there were one team where I could believe it right <laughs> now that like they're passing around like cracked copies of I mean shit like how they're running R Factor is what they're doing like like just no trust the, it's the best one it's the yeah. best one all the other racing games that come out since total crap use this one here are the mods here's the mods list. Uh, Drew, you're a you're a fan of F1 Pole Position, which I uh, had to play Absolutely. on Patreon last week. Uh, I think Catalonia is Catalonia in that one at all, or do you remember? Should I don't be, remember. Right? Nine, I think it came but in '99. That game did so. Yeah, if uh, if Cubitza uh, shows up and he's all polygonal, then you'll know that's the one they're using. <laughs> Driver X, yes. Robert Cubitza. Um, uh, Shane Element uh, emails in uh, a request we've had. We've actually had a lot of people asking this, um, and then we've also had. I feel like we've been talking more about the sort of wider, you know, when we started this podcast, there wasn't all that much sort of like a lot of motorsports websites were covering this, but there wasn't a lot of like just random dudes like us, like people just covering F1. Um, but a bunch of really cool YouTube um, uh, accounts have popped up. And I want I wanted to pick one of the emails asking and one of the emails sort of giving a recommendation for this. Um, Shane emails in, I'm new to F1 and motorsport in general, really enjoyed the podcast. I was wondering if you uh, had any recommendations for ways to learn about the mechanical side. I honestly don't know much about cars whatsoever. So even the most basic book or website recommendation would be a great help. I just want to follow it up quickly before I get to you two uh, with an email from Connor Buller who says, uh, Hi guys, can't remember if you guys have ever covered Chain Bear's videos before, but he does a great job uh, doing in-depth analysis. He covered why the Ferrari strategy on Leclerc was the best of a bad situation. Uh, they pitted him as early as possible to get uh, to the end on the softs, earlier in fact than others ran on the same tyre. The medium being so much better uh, that just flattered his strategy early on while others were on softs on a hot track. Um, nobody successfully pulled off a two-stop and the safety car could have uh, won them uh, on a one-stop. It nearly did for Bodas last year. Um, thanks for all the work that goes into the show. So yeah, we, we had a lot of follow-ups from our, our sort of analysis last week of the Leclerc situation. Um, and I believe, Drew, you tweeted out that video, that Chain Bear video from the Shift F1 uh, Twitter account sort of after the fact. Um 
but uh the yeah that that was one element uh, of uh, or one youtube channel i guess that that i've enjoyed in uh, recent months but uh is there anywhere else that you guys go for like technical videos how did you learn about the technical aspects of uh of f1 uh there is a um there's a a part of the formula one website uh called inside f1 um that is it's it's decent it doesn't go too too deep but it gives kind of an overview of things like um you know uh brakes and cornering and the steering wheel and the gearbox and suspension like that kind of thing um so probably not for gearheads but if you just want to uh you know get, wrap your mind around like the power unit and the ERS and what all that means um that's a that's a great place to just browse around and skim through uh yeah chain bear is great um there are a few other there's one guy i can't remember his name uh who's a former he's a former uh pit guy i think for mclaren um and he's now doing youtube stuff uh uh i don't know he's not nearly as slick as chain bear but i think they're i think they're buddies on youtube um i can i can find that and and put him in there as well uh uh wtf1 i think we've mentioned before um the youtube channel there and also the f1 side has gotten better the f1 youtube's um channel has gotten better at putting stuff up they just put up a there's a new series i think it's called f1 firsts they just put up a video about sort of the early days of lotus and uh discovering ground effect um uh, which is like an animated thing which was quite cool so hopefully they'll do more of those uh but yeah it's a they, you know, they mostly just have race highlights, but um, they do tend to put some educational stuff up as well. Uh, what about you, Rob? I mean, you, you're, you, I feel like you're one of the more like technically astute um, uh, uh, folks when it comes to F1. Where, where did you get a lot of your knowledge from? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's that I've been watching it for, you know, over 20 years at this point. And so some of it has just come in through osmosis. Like Steve Matchett always made a point to, uh, to sort of highlight the stuff on the speed broadcast. And then later uh, NBC sports, I uh, wrote a couple of very good books on it. Um, so if you want to look up Steve Matchett's work, uh, the one where he specifically talks about modern F1 car design, and it's out of date now because uh, so much has changed, but the chariot makers, I want to say is sort of his, uh, tour, his guided tour of, uh, what goes into making up an F1 car. Uh, but to be fair, like, I, I think there's also an element of, I'm a parrot at this point. Like I've heard a lot. And so, like, I have a vague understanding of how this stuff works, but, like, I am still learning everything, something new every time, like, Craig Scarborough writes one of his technical deep dive articles over race fans. Like, that's a level of expertise I I don't generally possess. Uh, So that's, you know, that's where I tend to go. I think my, something I've completely missed is how much the the fandom has evolved in the YouTube era, uh, because in general, I don't like spending time on YouTube. Uh, because it tries, <laughs> it keeps trying to radicalize me as a uh, you know as a Nazi. So you know I, I, I tend I tend not to linger too long on uh, on, on YouTube. But uh, I you know clearly things have come a long way, and now you can get detailed breakdowns of stuff like that uh, that you just you know if you're watching F1 in the '90s in the U.S., you're basically on your island. You know, that like watching the broadcast themselves was your only connection to the fandom. Uh, I found the uh, guy I was talking about. Mark Priestley is his name. Uh, I will link his uh, his account as well. I I also wanted to point out uh, the secret aerodynamicist, which we talk about. We talked Mm. about in a previous episode has another article up on the BBC. I will link that as well. Kind of talking about. The effect that Adrian Newey, Red Bull's chief aerodynamicist, has had on the entire sport, uh, and that's that. Those articles are really well written, even for like a non technically minded person. They uh, they really break it down well. Awesome, yeah. I mean, this for those of you who don't know, this podcast was literally set up on a video game website to try and i guess to for drew to be introduced to the sport through my sort of green eyes as somebody who had you know was the token european in the office who could kind of speak about f1 a bit um so our whole journey has been about sort of discovering more about f1 i don't think any of us would put our hands up and say we're an expert at this sport i certainly wouldn't anyway no um but uh yeah i think that's part of the the fun of this sport is that it's it's quite broad and quite deep you know historically and technically there's a lot to cover so um 
Uh, that's what I kind of like about it. It's, there's so much interesting stuff to keep learning about. And there's so many more people smarter than you that are uh, that are there <laughs> with the knowledge to tell you about it. <laughs> well, cool. Is that it for emails? That's it for emails. Uh, yeah, you can email us again at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. Uh, but that's enough for talk about things around the internet, Danny. Wow, now it is you... time to... Whew. Whew. <laughs> you're like an ice skater just about to slip up but you got it you got yep. it back you got yep. it back in now it's time to race around the world the world rally championship is in chile everyone for the round six rally chile uh then we got what wrap up oh because it's chile thank you got it Gander Mountain Trucks are in Kansas <laughs> at the Kansas Speedway. Oh, you're just rejecting the new branding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. It's not Gander it Outdoors. It is Gander Mountain bra- Forever. You know me. He's, can- he's committing Gander brandalism, Mountain. Rob. <laughs> oh, no, not brandalism. <laughs> uh, we'll never get two. our Blue Coast sponsorship this way. <laughs> we'll be supporting uh, Formula One at the Barcelona Catalunya circuit. Uh, Formula E, uh, they're round nine of the, what is it, season seven? Uh, They're going to Monaco. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, Will we get a ninth winner in nine races? The streak must continue. Man. Uh, IndyCar will be at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for not the Indy 500. It's the IndyCar Grand Prix at Indianapolis. IndyCar Uh, Grand Prix sounds like when a video game doesn't have the rights to the Indy 500, but they put it in anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Um, the World Superbike Championship is at Autodromo Enzo e Dino Ferrari in Imola, Bologna, Italy. Yeah, XF1 track. Um, the Motocross Grand Prix Championship is at uh, Ho Boy. Uh, oh boy, where's Ho no, Boy? It's, uh, Ho it's boy another, Louisiana it's or? a long, oh here we go, it's Italian. <clears throat> Circuito Internazionale Motocrossita di Mantova. <laughs> we got a really good email from somebody who explained Japanese addresses. Yes. Um, Wait, can you pull that up? Yeah, I, it's so complicated that I did not put it in the uh, on this uh, on this month uh, or this at uh, this podcast. But I'm I'm happy to to bring it up if uh, if you want to. All right, let me here. I, uh, I I skimmed it earlier. I can I can do it. Uh, but let me just finish Bridget, this out. Bridget Stadler, I think. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Um, or Bridget. The FIA World Rally Cross Championship. Uh, their round three is at uh, Spa. Interestingly, um, for the Spa World Rally Cross of Benelux. Um, yeah. And Benelux. Then, God, I've heard that word in forever. The Benelux <laughs> countries. Yeah. Wow. What is that? Belgium, Luxembourg, and Holland? I think. Yeah. What a, yeah, it's a weird delineation. And hey, the Spanish Grand Prix. Practice one kicks off Friday, May 10th at 5 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2, uh, followed by practice two at 9 a.m. on ESPNU. Uh, practice three, Saturday, May 11th at 6 a.m. ESPN2. Qualifying same day, 9 a.m. same channel. Uh, and the race, Danny and Rob. Sunday, <gasps> May 12th at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time on ESPN2. The Deuce. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Indeed. Uh, okay. On Japanese addresses, this from Bridget. <laughs> like Japanese dates, addresses go from big to small. Uh, so you have uh, the postal code comes first, then the prefecture, then the city slash town slash village, then municipality, like the ward of a city, then its actual number. But that confuses me because Wait. postcode presumably isn't the biggest, right? Wouldn't postal postcode code be the comes s- first, then the prefecture? But, yeah, I don't know. But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the numbers get even crazier. So uh, first comes the district of the neighborhood, usually designated in relation to the center of the district. The uh, next is the block number within that district. 
Last, yes. the building number, and in a lot of places, especially older places, the numbers are based on when the building was registered slash built. So number nine could be on the south side of the block, while ten is on the north, eleven oh, on the west, and so my on. This gosh. is the part that always messes me up when finding anything new. Yeah. Yeah. When was this building registered? <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I got this pizza. I gotta get this pizza to this this. Dude, when is this building registered? Thank you, Bridget. That is, uh, it go, it, yeah, it gets deeper. It's a, it's a beautiful. There's examples. Oh man, yeah, yeah. wild. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at Patreon.com/shiftf1. Um, yeah, we're getting getting up to. Uh, I feel like no we're good. we're really in the meat of of the season now. Uh, this is, I think, uh, maybe maybe the last chance for for, for Ferrari. I don't know. Don't what do you it. guys think? I think I think I'm gonna intentionally curse the commentator this one and say this is the one race I feel like could be a real snore fest. So have at it, boys. Rob, my fingers like for well. The season is so long. Like I would say, yeah, it's you know it's their last chance. Uh, you're right. Mercedes is not going to implode. Uh, so this is like if you have a card to play, this is this is where you play it. Um, but yeah, I have. I think Mercedes is just going to walk away with this. Like I don't know. I just <laughs> I feel like this is so done and dusted. Hey man, when you've got, I'm looking forward. I'm, we're, I think we're all still looking forward to watching the race. You know, regardless, there's, you know, there's, there's so much going on. And also, when Roman Grosjean is taking that turn, anything can happen. Very anything. true. The possibility space in the Grosjean universe is endless. By the way, sorry, I was distracting because I remembered that there, like, I saw on the Disney release schedule for the for, for like the next decade <laughs> of just bleak superhero and action films. Somewhere in there was a movie called Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, which huh. is apparently going to be, it's like got Matt Damon and Christian Bale and John Barenthal. And it's mostly about the Ford side of their uh, endurance racing, their Le Mans wow. initiative to beat Ferrari back in the sixties. It looks like, Wait, which is like a fictionalized version. No, it's going to be like based on what actually happened. No, uh, but like, a, like a feature film or a documentary. Yes. Yeah. It's a feature film. Wow. Okay. Like Matt Damon is Carol Shelby. Whoa. Matt Damon. Wow. Is Carol Shelby? It's uh, it's been directed by uh, the the guy who directed Logan. Oh my god! Okay, now I'm really curious. Now, now I'm, I'm really in. curious. Uh, but the other part that I forgot, like, I was like, wasn't there in a uh, Enzo Ferrari biopic underway? And it looks like there is. Um, and who plays him. Well, who cares? Michael Sarah is. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like it's a Michael Mann movie. Oh, oh wow. man! Which did like suddenly I'm like I I hope this I hope this happens. Did you say Christian Bale was in the Ford versus Ferrari thing? Yeah, apparently he was originally pipped for this Enzo Ferrari biopic, but he he pulled out of it. Like this is like a news article from 2016. Oh, also, it's weird. a Hollywood maybe. report, so who knows? Maybe it's yeah. Maybe Enzo. Maybe the Enzo movie's dead again. Um, but yeah, I would. Michael Mann make a racing movie now. Admittedly, Ron Howard already cribbed your style liberally for uh, Rush, <laughs> but nevertheless, Rush. Yeah. Well, all kinds of things to look forward to. Then, uh, have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Yeah.